Welcome back to Cargumentative, a show where men with pizza grease on their clothes talk to you about cars and all things automotive. You're joined by me, Thomas Faulkner from the Sunday Times, and as usual, I'm joined by Mark Peluto, Mike Salomon, Madhav Ravid. Guys, thank you so much for joining me again in studio, our very hot studio. Very hot studio. Yeah. Cindy said that she, she actually likes the fact that, that Mark spends an hour in, in a, a sauna once a, a week. In a sauna once a week. <laughs> Did she say that? Yeah, she said that. She tweeted me. She would. Yeah. Guys, first uh, segment of the show, we're going to touch on some news. Um, I don't know if you guys saw today, but Subaru issued their biggest recall in their history. No, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Well, you haven't been on Times Live Motoring then. Because no. they record 2.2 million cars over a brake light glitch that could interfere with the starting of the car. A brake light glitch that can affect the starting of the car. So the brake light yeah. won't stop working. Yeah. And the car won't start, which means it probably isn't dangerous once it starts. This yeah. is what it says. The company said silicon gases that come from cleaning products or cosmetics could coat part of the switch for the brake lights, interfering with the lights turning on properly and also engine ignition. But I, w- I would assume the brake light switch on a Subaru is like generic. It comes from a Toyota, which is very generic. Mm. Wouldn't that be Well, I don't know. Subaru is always going to be a little bit different. You know? uh, so, maybe. hold on a second. Okay, so, but you're, really is so, a so you're saying that there is an unreliable... Japanese car. Toyota product. No. Yeah. Isn't, isn't I'm Subaru just a Toyota product? They're just recalling stuff. Because, um, because of unreliability. Yeah. Hmm. But it I agree with Mark because if, if it's a generic yeah. switch like yeah. that, which probably is common to like almost everything, no, we're going to see like waves of recalls now, like the Takata airbag crisis. Mm. We're going to see waves wasn't of the, brake switch recalls. Wasn't there a massive Toyota brake issue recall like? Seven years ago? No, that was when people people were getting the floor mat stuck over the pedals. Oh, no, no, it wasn't that. It was, it was user error. What else? Um, Sorry, Mark, I mean, I can't believe that you take that as the, the most newsy thing when today a brand new Ferrari, well, a, a, like sort of new Ferrari What's it has called? launched. It looks the same the, as the last the, Ferrari. The, no, no, no. It, it looks does. gorgeous. No, it, it doesn't. It looks and, and significantly and different. So it's called the F8 Tributo, tributo, what? What's it? Tributo, tributo, yeah, tributo. tributo. What is it paying tributo. tribute to? I'm not sure. Eric Clapton. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, well, actually, it's it's funny you say that because yeah. the uh, Nadav and I were just noting that it does look quite similar to one of the cars that was manufactured for a customer. Eric Clapton. So it might. I think it was at the Eric Clapton one. Yeah. No, I'm not sure if it was because he'd had that the 458 based one that looked a little bit like a boxer. Yeah, um, but there was one recently, and what what makes me think about it is the louver at the back, uh, which looks very F forty ish. Don't they all have louvers at the back? No, no. they have glass. The two tail lights next to each other is a big change. Didn't it? they go to one? Has it got two? It's got two. Look, ah, cool. Which is oh, which is that? No, that's going back to like the three hundred eight. Didn't the F forty have two? Three five five had two. F forty had two. So it has four in total. Yes. So it's got four two exhaust pipes and four lights. No, it's got two exhaust pipes. But it wow. is and a big diffuser. But it is fast. absolutely. And gorgeous. it's a coincidence. It's exactly seven twenty horsepower, just like the. Okay. What is that in kilowatts? Who cares? 
We talk horsepower. Yeah, yeah. it's about it's McLaren's close on five hundred. McLaren's not seven hundred and twenty horsepower. What is it? Seven nineteen point five. It's seven ten. No, it's PS. Yes, exactly. Seven twenty PS. PS. I mean, who does stuff in it's PS? Third, it's ridiculous. Can't we just all standardize it? We should probably should. It's, yeah. That's the, now a third kind of power rating that we haven't. Yeah, discussed. but I mean, it's an unwritten rule that you will put the biggest number that you can possibly, especially but, Ferrari. But, but, but I saw today when I went. I'm very grateful that I picked up the three hundred eight. It is now repaired. Um, what was wrong with it, Mark? Um, just. Uh, Mike Daly did it for three years and the rear suspension cracked because it wasn't meant for that. It wasn't. It was because I might have hit a speed bump a little a little fast. <laughs> in reverse. Um, was that when you were doing donuts in the sand? No. That was not, a different not time. That time. <laughs> not that time. <laughs> but, uh, but I did, when I went to fetch it today, there was an F40 sitting there. Um, it was an English-plated car. Oh, I saw that. Coming right. in on a temporary permit, but whew, I lost over that thing. But does yes. it have standard wheels? It does. Yes, standard wheels. But uh, but actually, this F8, the louver at the back, yeah. looks very F40-ish. I Maybe. believe you. Here's a car that you guys might have not heard about. Mm. Try it. Okay, it's called a, a Deville. D-E-V-E-L. Deville. Where's it it's from? It's made in Dubai. And it is going to be the most powerful, ridiculously fast supercar ever made 3,700 kilowatts what what kind of what motor and, does it have okay it has <laughs> it's the quite actual incredible helicopter engine. it's a quad turbo 12.3 liter v16 engine which will allow oh, it to go from 0 to 101.8 seconds and achieve a top speed of does anybody want to guess how fast i would say goes? 450 must be 450 no, no. maybe 500 520 kilometers an hour mark I'm going to say 500. Yeah, I'll say it's Okay, the Dove comes closest. They say it'll get up to 560 kilometers an hour. Can I tell you, it'll probably do that twice. No, not even. I mean, I'm not sure where you could do it. No, no. It's, made in, it's made in Dubai, not Italy. <laughs> that means nothing. It's got 3,000 horsepower from a no, piston engine. 3,000 kilowatts. It must, it must be amazingly from drivable at low speed. engine. It's not going to happen. So there's a special kind of term for mm. a car like this. It's called vaporware. It's not going to exist. It doesn't exist. The technology for the tires hasn't even in been invented yet. I'm sorry. I don't believe it. Gonna it's believe like it. our friend Stuart Subaru. It's, it's a rumor. We've all heard about it in our fast that we've never actually seen it. Well, it's just it's because ne- it never worked. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I, I'd like to see that. Just and apparently every single Subaru in, that's been built in the last one doesn't work either. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Subaru. I'm sure it's brake lights work. Monster last Jam, Hanada. I don't That's know what that vibe. is. I'm so going. I, uh, monster trucks. I that last time and I don't remember what if, the answer was. If Formula One, okay, can yes. be likened to the caviar and champagne of motorsports. The boring <laughs> caviar and champagne Yeah, then Monster Jam and Monster Trucks can be likened to gallons of cheap beer and sticky Daytona chicken wings. Mm, oh, okay. You know? I think, yeah. I think something a little bit, I think it's more like that one of my favorite meals called the Junkyard Dog. Yeah. Uh, which is, it's got everything on it. Okay. It's hardly subtle, yeah. but it is. I mean, it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, it's fascinating and I it's cool. I mean, it's got. I mean, they've got cars called you know Gravedigger, which everybody knows. Yeah, uh, Toro del Loco, Zombie, <laughs> Megalodon. Come on, it's like oh. it's like this larger than life ridiculous. Yeah, I'm excited OTT. about it. I can't wait. And yeah. we'll, we'll we've never had to be doing an outside broadcast. I'd like to. I'm actually um, in the process because I'm going to do a cover story on it. And um, they're trying to. Well, they they said they'd hook me up with press passes. Nice, and maybe nice. we can go there live. That, I think so that what's would the story? Be the where, where is Life it? When is it? What, so it's coming. It's at FNB. Yeah. It's, well, it's going to three stadiums. So okay. There's Moses Mabita Stadium. Then it's going to Cape Town. 
Stadium and then coming up to F&B. Nice. Cool. And um, it's going to be, I mean, these trucks are actually they're proper. They're amazing. Yeah, they, can do a, they can do a full-on flip. A back flip. Black Four and, flip, and a half yeah. tons they weigh. And they, and they have big block Chevys with superchargers. Some of them have got diesel engines. Which make 1,500 1, horsepower, which yeah. you guys will know what that is. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of but, power. but talking about, you mentioned Formula One and we're now two weeks out. And um, yeah. it looks like they are we all back on Formula One? No, but yeah. more importantly, this week is the first um, MotoGP of the year. Brad, yes. Brad Binder has been. Is it really, this weekend? Yeah, I think so. I think it is. Oh, it's either this weekend or next. But Brad Binder was was fastest in testing. Yes. Um, and yeah, we just Very we we, we, we wish him all the best. Uh, we we've obviously had him on the podcast before. Yeah. And yeah, he's a he's a great guy, and we wish him a lot of luck. And his new Triumph engined KTM. Yeah. Mm. Mercedes Benz. What about it? AMG forty five A forty five. Oh yeah, is that's it? that's apparently going to be um, revealed at Geneva Motor Show. Good-looking car, very, very good-looking. Do you know how much power it has? No, three hundred and ten kilowatts, and it's it's three hundred and ten kilowatts from a four-cylinder engine. Yeah, and all-wheel drive with drift mode. So, like really, on yeah. the X, on the M5, you can you can turn it off and you can do crazy drifts and stuff. Yeah, which I've learned, unfortunately, is uh, devastating to rear tires. Mm. I've gone through a set of rears. In 7,000 Ks. I've never done that on the 4C. Oh, was that you? Yeah. Wow. I've never done that before. 7,000 Ks. Maybe your alignment's out. No, no. Maybe I'm just Maybe it's just fast. The problem is it begs to be driven fast all the time. So I do end up going sideways a lot. Maybe the chassis was slightly warped when they made it. So now it's running Thomas, even. Mind your neck. Just saying. Just putting it out there. Mark, you like scooters, don't you? Yeah, I do. You do. You like, you like you know tootling along the suburbs on a Sunday Absolutely. on a sunny Sunday afternoon Absolutely. Um, on my scooter so I, I was going to be derogatory but I'm not this, is, this is the new me this yeah. is the new me there's, there's many things that could have been said yeah. Yeah. but we're more mature me than that um, <laughs> <laughs> we're more mature than that so yeah. BMW they've just released uh, their little C400X scooter it's quite cool C400X so it's a 400cc it's a well 350 but they call okay. it a th- and it's it's this cool little scooter CBT gearbox, um, lots of storage space. You can sync it to your phone for satellite navigation. All can, that kind of stuff. Does it have wheelie control? Uh, no, it's got traction control, which I found interesting on such a small CC bike. But it's quite a. So I watched it interesting. Cool sorry, uh, sorry D- to interrupt. Does it look ironic? No, it looks futuristic. No, I mean, that's cool. I watched a video this week on, a, on VW's new electric car. So they what they're trying to do is they're trying to bring. Um, an entry-level electric car to the masses. So you know everything electric, fully electric. Very expensive. Very expensive. Super expensive. Yeah. So they're trying to bring something cheap and with with quite a decent amount of range to the market. So like the new people's car. The new people's car, exactly. As the Volkswagen Beetle was to the masses back in the day. Yeah, exactly. This could be the digital version. So, so this guy, and I can't remember the name of it, but I'm, I'm trying to look it up. He did a... He drove it in the Eastern Cape, actually, in South Africa. They're busy testing the car now. Uh, so we've obviously got like a range of climates. They say our road surface is very rough. Very it's, rough. Yeah. I'll, I can attest to that. Yeah. So they, they like hot weather, high altitude hot testing. Exactly. Yeah. So they're doing all the testing now. And they, I mean, they, they're talking about a range of, I think it was like 350 kilometers, something like that. And a, and a full charge in 30 minutes. What? Yeah. Is it based really? on something like a no, like an app? It's a gra- well, it's, it's probably the, the same proportions as an app. Yeah. But it's a ground up new development. Because remember they had the e up. Yeah. E up. 
No, it's, uh, it's something else, something new. So okay. that's quite interesting because this week um, I was reading about the Honda yes. EV concept. The e prototype. Do you remember the e EV concept, which was actually the little city car? Yeah. I'm showing a picture of it Ooh, around. Yes, it's such I a saw great that today. Thing. Oh, that is really Retro cool. Retro yeah. little thing. Looks just like the first Civic did. And um, that's nearing production. Apparently. End of the year. Yeah. So apparently and that that's the same idea is that it's sort of an entry-level city car. It's not about... A giant range. It's more about a realistic range for someone who's driving in town. It's a great-looking thing. So that's going to be interesting. That seems like a new yeah. market to compete in, a lower-entry-level city electric car. That's going to be pretty cool. So, so the VW is called the VW ID. That's oh, yeah, the ID, okay, yeah, the ID concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do we have time for one more little thing? It depends. What so, is it? Well, on, on Sunday… <laughs> I went to the Vintage and Veteran Club and I bumped yes. into Nadav. He's always there. And, he lives there on the weekend. We, we, we drove in and we mm. drove straight past a Series 3 Ferrari convertible, uh, 250 convertible, which is around a 25 million rand car. The cream one. Yeah. I mean, it's just awesome to see it on the road. Nadav and I were just looking at what was left there. And I think we had a new low for Cargumentative because he showed me a brown, metallic brown Toyota Corolla GLE automatic and he was remarking how original it was that's and I'm, awesome. I hope you I'm, slapped I'm, him I'm why like, didn't you I'm send me photographs that, that's it had, it had hub, hubcaps yeah. that, no, were, that were on with cable ties but they were the original and hubcaps yeah, yeah, well, that's unacceptable and like I'm just saying respect to Corolla that's made it through and driven People didn't want to drive that thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's I'm, terrible. It's like it's he wants to be seen dead in something like that. Not only that, the roof if was even a little bit crusty. Someone offered me a ride in that, I'd rather walk. I don't think it was at the show. I think it was parked. Obviously, it wasn't. To see the yeah, show. But, but you remarked, and there were two like little two Rolls Royces. That, I think I mean, it's. I think that, it's remarkable that, for a car that's now how many years old? Twenty-five years old. How old is that? God. It is remarkable. I'm saying it's remarkable. And that's it, guys. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about car photography. Oh. Welcome back to Cargumentative. Guys, in this section of the show, we've got a special guest. I'd like to welcome Reno Furry from thecarphotographer.co.za. Reno, how are you doing? Good, and yourself? Thank you very much for having me. It's only a pleasure. So, Reno, obviously, the name of your website gives it away. You specialize in shooting or photograph phot- photographing. Photographing. <laughs> Photographing. Photographing. <laughs> Sorry, it's been a long day. Um, cars. Yes, that's correct. Um, basically, I've been working in the media industry for mm-hmm. quite uh, many years, um, photographing editorials, um, articles. Uh, I've also uh, have extended my services to photographing cars for car collectors specifically. The market has definitely boomed um, quite a bit in South Africa. So, so yeah. And I've actually done, uh, I've had a shoot done by Rano. Yes. We did quite a nice little shoot. Uh, really? Yeah. Can you talk about it? Or I didn't know that, Mark. Tell us about it. Yeah. No, you need to go and have a look at, at Rano's work. It really speaks for itself. I mean, I think that, you know, one thing we, we all aspire to be photographers, especially in the modern day where we've got access to cell phones with cameras. And uh, the reality is, is that, that it's, a, it's an art. Um, and photographing a car doesn't just doesn't just it's not just a matter of shooting um you, you there's a lot of skill and a lot of thought that goes into it so i'm looking forward to hear from uh, from reno exactly how he approaches that but uh yeah i, I must say his work is is really magnificent mm. i mean how did you actually get into it i mean are you a car guy you must be 
in order to you know definitely definitely i um even like since i was a child i was mm. car crazy and uh, as i grew up i went into photography and when i first walked into university i saw a picture of a car against the wall and then light bulbs went off i was going to become a car photographer <laughs> the flash bulbs went off yeah <laughs> so is there a specific car brand that you prefer to photograph is there anything that's maybe your favorite well if you visit my instagram page you'll notice that it's a majority ferraris um, oh, but it's I see. not it's I see not, what you did here Mike. It's, it's not my fault it's uh, actually it's only ferrari owners that actually spend money to hire my services so. really so so what does that say about porsche owners i don't know i don't know maybe they're just yeah. so what is your Tight. favorite well i do love oh. ferraris <laughs> um but I, obviously i i'm a car crazy guy like uh, mm. any any cool car i can go for i, I love them um most recently one of my favorites is definitely a mclaren 720 i i just love that car so as do i so and mark yeah but I not, but not things well we don't I, well, okay. I must remind everyone yeah but, <laughs> so so i mean what what kind of car photographs better than another i mean are there any things that, that are, are awesome in real life but just don't come out nicely in photos so color wise the easiest color to photograph is definitely a silver car because a silver colors actually uh, uh, absorbs the reflections of your surroundings or your location so silver cars definitely work the best especially if you shoot it in the golden hours meaning early morning or late afternoon that's definitely a, a great time to shoot a car it reduces reflections and it brings out the sideline and profile of the car itself so i suppose it's too bad that almost all ferraris are bought Red, hey. Mm. So disappointing, you know. Don't you wish more of those owners had an imagination, <laughs> yeah. you know? Does yes, no, look, um, the red definitely proposes a challenge. I think it's actually one of the most difficult colors to shoot. Um, just getting the sp specific color temperature and everything correct in a photo i mean explain you, what that means temperature so temperature in photography means if something is a little bit more red or yellow you refer to it as hot if something is a little bit more blue you would refer to it as cold so that's what we talk about temperature so if we even like uh, outside earlier uh, mark referred to the rosso on the alpha and the rosso on the ferrari and you could see a major difference and there's more blue in the alpha's paint where there's more yellow in the Ferrari's paint. So that, there's a reason for that. That's because that alpha used to be green. <laughs> and actually he decided um, to yeah. paint it's it. Please, totally totally page, edit that out because uh, he's talking and, rubbish. And also, Mark, Mark likes to do things on the cheap. So you probably just got a big, <laughs> a big can. Thomas, a big can. what kind of car do you drive? What are you talking about? A big can of Aerolac. That car and got his cousin won the Alpha beautiful. Concourse. I'll have you know because he knew the person who was. They obviously didn't know judging. that it wasn't the original. Are we, are we really going to do this? <laughs> are we really going to do this? So, so talking about temperature, um, are there any poses that a a nude model on the car is best that wouldn't leave back prints? <laughs> oh well, uh, actually, I, I, I would say if you don't want to leave any marks, I think you must pose the inside of the car. Oh. <laughs> On the outside of the car, you can definitely see some marks, especially if the sun just catches it right and uh, and your wife might just get angry. I, know, I was just asking for a friend. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> That's good. But, but I've actually noticed, talking about red cars, I mean, I do a lot of uploading of photographs onto the website, and I often notice that red gets like a, a very bad pixelation yes it's weird and i don't get that on other colors but whenever i get a red card to upload i'm like mm, this is not going to look good 
yes. on the internet. Is that is that a that is definitely a thing. So the mm. algorithms on Facebook, Instagram, most social media pages actually compresses reads very bad. Like it, it just pixelates it okay. completely and the quality just disappears. Um, us, like a professional, would go around by saving it as in a file format that is non-compressionable, like a .png or a .gif. Um, those type of files do not get any compression applied, and then you don't see that artifacts in the red paint. Okay, clever. Okay, that's very interesting. Yeah, it is compression. Yeah. And I mean, be, like you know, being a, a car shooter, um, do you have special gear that other photographers don't have? Well, I think as a car photographer, you've got a couple of essentials that you have to have on you all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a tripod, definitely, all the time. And then you're going to want to have a circular polarizer filter. Basically, it's a filter that attaches in front or onto the front of the lens. And that also helps reduce any reflections that's reflected either in the side or in the windscreen of the car. Then additionally, if uh, like the type of photography that I do, I've got battery powered, high wattage flashlights. So I can shoot even in midday sun, I can overpower the sun with the lights that I've got. Mm. And it gives me the opportunity to shoot on location without being able to, or, or having access to any uh, power outlets. Okay. So, I mean, if, if, I mean, you obviously understand all of this stuff and you've experimented and day in, day out, you know what works, what doesn't work. So what tips could you give us for using our cell phones and shooting cars? Because in the end, you know, we don't want to overcomplicate things and just by the end, like not, not even get a shot. So what can we do that will improve our stuff? I think uh, main things are if you have the opportunity to move the car around, try and move it away from any close surroundings um, to avoid any reflections on the side of the car. Try and avoid parking it underneath a a tree for the dappled lighting that causes very distracting reflections over the car. And then if you have the opportunity, shoot at a good time of the day, like an early morning shoot or late afternoon shoot. Um, Like uh, George Eastman, the founder of Kodak, said, the best camera is the camera that you have on you. So whether you're shooting on a phone uh, uh, or shooting on a professional camera, you can get good quality shots shooting at the right time of the day. Okay. I really like that saying. Hmm. And um, cool. what's your opinion on filters? Because, you know, it's very easy nowadays for people to go onto Instagram and slap on all these filters and effects. Is that something we should do or avoid? Do you think it's become too cliched? Should, should we try and treat our own photographs and tweak them? What's your stance on that? I think uh, try and avoid using the in-app filters. Mm. If you can, uh, edit or try and download an app, a photo editing app. Make some very specialized tweaks to the Mm. actual photos, lighten and shadows and looking at the contrast of the image and and avoid the the cliché. Uh, filters that Instagram and Facebook. I like them. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Um, It's definitely also a a personal style thing. Mm. Like my pictures, I obviously take a lot of time in preparing in Photoshop and finalizing my picture. So I don't apply any filters, but a car spotter, for instance, they might want to apply filters. Okay. Uh, I mean, I've got a friend of mine, Dave, and he loves to take photos from like a very low angle. And what he, cars? Uh, is that, yeah, is that like? Isn't a, that just because he's very short? <laughs> <laughs> he is actually. 
<laughs> yeah, he's like a real human, but smaller. <laughs> uh, well, there's actually a couple of tips that you can do on the height or the angle that you shoot from. Uh, if you want to make a car seem small, especially if you're shooting hatchbacks or anything like that, you shoot from a higher angle. So you're looking down onto the car. Then it gives the impression that the car is small. If you're shooting something like a muscle car, you would like a very low angle because it shows power, it shows dominance. But if you're shooting anything that's sort of like a European supercar, then the ideal height is about the wing mirror. That's the height that you need to shoot from. Um, otherwise, you you lose, you compress oh, or distort. Okay. The yeah, well, it makes sense. He's got a 68 Firebird. Well, well, you also lose the a lot of the lines that the designer has gone to show everyone. If you if you're shooting it from the top kind of thing, you yeah. lose that side side lines. So yeah, in other yeah. words, you'd you'd need a magnifying glass for your material, Why? Thomas, Why? because it's a hatchback. So it's, you need really you need it to look really small. So you'd go from the top. Well, Does anyone actually take photos of materials? Are you the only one? Yeah, I'm. A, I'm a I'm a specialist. I had some material photography. <laughs> is anybody out there who has a collection of that had some materials? Yeah, don't phone Rainer. Phone Thomas. Phone me. Rainer doesn't care. But yeah. if you would like to see a collection of Dahatsu materials, just have a look at Thomas's Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing right. angles there. Uh, what's your view on selfies? <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking once again. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I don't take too many selfies. Uh, when I do, it's usually with something special in the background. The only selfie that I can think of that I've taken recently was with a LaFerrari in the background. So so I think if there's something special, go for a selfie. But if it's not, avoid it. Like the F40. <laughs> yes, yes. Reno, I wanted to ask you, what, what's your Eleanor? You know, what, what's the car that you've always wanted to photograph but maybe haven't yet? Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's a 1957 Ferrari 250 Testarossa TR. Sure. Mm. Pontoon, choice. Pontoon Beautiful fenders. car. Mm. Yeah, the pontoon. Yeah, yeah wow. the pontoon fender. Yeah. Oh. Lovely thing. But but mm. yeah, I think that's my dream car. But I mean, those things are. What is it? What is it about it that attracts you as a photographer? I mean, it just all those curves. There's just so many curves that I mean, if I if you can perfectly light that car, you can pretty much photograph any car. Because if you can manage the reflections in those curves and lighting everything properly, I mean, you've you've succeeded. That's really interesting. Mm. And and uh, and, a, and a favorite in recent times, something that you've enjoyed or maybe if, unexpectedly enjoyed. Well, uh, recently I got to photograph a 328 uh, GTS uh, that the Concourse right. South Africa winner. Mm. Um, uh, that was quite. Uh, I think it was it's uh, that era of Ferrari wasn't always sort of my thing. I've I've, I've liked a little bit older or the more modern stuff. We and agree. until I actually got very close up to that car and I realized just actually how beautiful the lines are and the detail that goes into it. So unexpectedly, very much enjoy that shoot. Hmm. And location? So really interesting. That was at uh, Monte Cassino Piazza. But the locations are very important. I think um, I would choose something that either fits with the car. So if it's, let's say, an Audi A8, um, you'll shoot it in a in a business park type of environment because it sort of it translates to the car. Mm. Or you can go for something that is that creates a juxtaposition, something that's completely like an Audi R8 in front of a dilapidated building, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and the dove loves Audis, so he's, he's happy yeah. talking Apparently about Apparently, I'm the Doesn't stop talking here. about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting stuff. <laughs> Reno, well, thanks for joining us in studio. Um, some 
fascinating stuff there about car car photography and angles and yeah, I mean you know mm. what do you guys think? Yeah, absolutely. Very good. I, I learned how, a lot. How, how can people contact you and see your work and things? Mm. Well, they can visit my website. Uh, it's thecarphotographer.co.za or they can go onto Instagram at thecarphotographerza and they can just pop me a direct message or go and look at my portfolio on, online. Cool. Great. Awesome. Rena Faree, thanks for joining us here in the studio. Thank you very much for having me. Only a pleasure. Awesome. Guys, we're going to take a break and when we get back, we're going to be having an argument. Yeah. Join me, Paul Ash, in a beautiful soundscape as we explore the world in the Sunday Times Travel Podcast. Find it at sundaytimes.co.za. Welcome back to Cargumentative. I think we are so close to actually having us wearing no shirts while we record, mm, as, yeah. as unpalatable as that is. This is a no-pants party. <laughs> no, <laughs> speak for yourself. Um, so the other night, I was watching the Grand Tour because I got friends' login details for Amazon Prime because I'm too cheap to actually go and get it myself. Anyway, there was a segment on Grand Tour where they did a, um, basically a, a history on Jim Clark. Yeah, I saw that. Brilliant. Did you see that one? Yeah, it was brilliant. very good. Very good. So, um, got me thinking, Formula One drivers, we must all have one Formula One driver. I so, mean, yeah. Who, we, who we, we, we really have a thing for, like so, they had a thing for Jim So, Clark. I'm not a big Formula One fan, mm. but it just so happened that I think it was some one night last week on TV, they had a couple of Formula One, or a couple of motorsport-related documentary movies in a row. They had the Senna movie. Yeah. They had... Rush. Rush, and then they had Faster, which, which is like MotoGP. Valentino Rossi. Yeah. And I must be honest, like watching that, Senna was incredible. Mm. So to me, so I must be honest, I only really loved the stuff of the late 80s, early 90s. Well, same here. I mean, I mean, I like from the 70s, 80s, mid 90s. Yeah, and then mid 90s, it kind of, it kind of, when Ferrari dominated. Yeah, it got boring. It got boring. And then, I agree. And then when they went to turbocharged engines, it got worse. It got very boring. Yeah. But this, the stuff before, where it was Senna Prost, those battles, oh, unbelievable. And, and especially watching Senna drive Monaco, and I actually made my wife watch a lap mm. of Senna driving Monaco because he's changing gears with his right hand. Yeah, it's so, it's so strange to see a, a manual Formula One car. Yeah, but he's, it's, and, then, and then how many times he's turning the wheel while, while going straight. And he and he he's balancing owned, the car. And he mm. owned Monaco. He ran, he won it six times, and he won, and and he crashed out when he was in the lead, oh, uh, miles, yeah, yeah. just because he was pushing too hard. Now I think I was watching a, a documentary called um, On the Limit. Um, it's on Showmax. Mm. It's a, it really is phenomenal, and you're not getting a sense for for Formula One drivers, and in, in particular, it, it draws on um, um, the the drivers at the outset and and basically the history of formula 1 is that they started off in in 48 or 49 yeah and they were driving the, the alphas and all that and then they went to these cigar shaped cars which were mid-engined but they were 1.5 liters and then in the late 60s something happened which they doubled the capacity of the cars up to 3 liters 
and and everything from there just just happened at a rate of knots. The power went crazy. They understood very quickly uh, by the early 70s that the wings were going to make a big impact. So aer- aerodynamic. And what happened was these cars were fire-breathing monsters. And, I mean, in 68, it was the most lethal mm. f- um, year of, of Formula One in history where there was a driver that died every single month of the year. Wow. And, you know, these guys, they went out and they were driving just just. So just it almost became like Group B rally where they were taking yeah. them to the point of undrivability. Absolutely. And, and you know, these guys, they, they, they went out there and they were pure races. And, yeah, and they weren't getting paid. So, so Jim Clark is, is to a lot of drivers the greatest driver of all time. Um, and he died young um, in an accident. And you know the the drivers that are there today. There's no doubt they are they are so technical and they're so good. But when they go out in the cars, they are they know so they're 100 percent safe. And, and and I'm actually an advocate for that. Yeah, yeah safety's good. But now Jim Clark didn't he drove he drove for Lotus? Yes. Yeah. So now there was a combination of great driver, great engineer, great car. And I think the mark of a great driver is someone that it's like Valentino Rossi. He's very good at giving feedback to the engineers who develop the bike. Or, yep. the, or the driver, they have to give feedback. It, the, the, the evolution of the car is all about the driver driving and giving that information to Absolutely. an engineer who can't get in the car. Absolutely. So he has to be able to understand what the driver means by it's understeering, it's oversteering, and at certain points in the corner. And that's the mark of a true genius. Schumacher, who for me was the greatest of all time, and he does still stand at the moment at seven world titles, um, two better than anyone else. Um, and I really hope that, Hamil- uh, that Hamilton doesn't actually beat his, uh, beat his record. I really hope he doesn't because… Is he not nearly yeah. the driver? No, I just, I just don't like the personality personally. So, right. And also, I mean, he's not driving a Ferrari. But, uh, and, <laughs> and there's talk, though, that he will end his career at Ferrari. Really? Um, yeah. So but he's at Mercedes. He's at Mercedes. And he has been there for a very long they, time. They basically br- they, they, they bred him okay. um, all the way from carts. But uh, that that what you're talking about really is the sign of the of the champion because when Schumacher got to Ferrari at ninety in ninety six he drove a car which was in my mind the most beautiful Formula One car ever made the F yep. ten but it was a pig, and then they developed the car around him and it culminated in him winning five world championships. What was that a three liter V eight? That was a three point five when he started a V ten V ten yeah and then they went down to so the who liters. Mark is the goat and goat for those of you who don't know stands for Lyon. Greatest of all time. <laughs> Who is the GOAT of Formula One in your opinion? I'll, I'll defer to you, to the, the guys. I mean, I think there are a lot of guys. I mean, I, for me, it was Schumacher. But, um, sure. It's a, it's a real tough one for me because, you know, I like, I like the 70s era. I like that whole kind of rebel image. Guys were kind of pro but not, you know, they were kind of semi-pro in a so way. So like James Hunt? Yeah. You know, I like, I like those personalities. I also like I the like personalities. I like James Hunt, that outspoken, devil-may-care Smoking a cigarette afterwards, hanging out with the pit girls. You but know, then there's like the Nicky Lauda that went and developed the car. Yeah, but, but I still yeah. think Hunt was a very good driver, and yeah. he and and guys who partnered up with him said he was he was he was properly. So quick. I think everyone has their favorite, and there is no statistically the greatest of all time is Schumacher. Yeah, he's won the most championships. Yeah, and the most races. But some would argue he he was a he was a good driver in a mediocre era. Well, you also have. People who are brilliant whose lives ended and we'll never know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, though, at the moment, we've got a lot of great talent coming through. 
think Max Verstappen really could be the future of the sport. Okay. You guys have all sort of nominated and talked about people who've passed away. And um, uh, Michael Schumacher's still alive. <coughs> well, that's true. You did say Michael Schumacher in the end. Mm. Okay. So that's true. He's still alive. Um, he's not racing at the moment, though, no, unfortunately. We don't really know what he's doing. Um, yeah. But um, respect to the family. Yeah. And um, I, I like someone who's, who's still alive and active. And... Um, I think he's a bit of a living legend, and I think that's Sterling Moss. So he's going kind of way back in time. His career started in the 50s. Um, but what was interesting is sort of the earlier professional drivers never necessarily stuck to one particular formula of racing. So they were sort of, they were drivers. They were professional drivers, and they would jump into whatever was offered to them. So they often, they would do Formula One, but they would ra- race other types of vehicles at the same time. and. Um, long distance, short distance, whatever. So he's famous for many exploits in many different types of racing, both Formula One, um, but probably the f- most famous is um, Mille Miglia. 55. Um, <coughs> 19, so 1955. So it's, 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 did he ever race at Le Mans? Yes. But so in, to, a couple of interesting things. First of all, I mean, he didn't win the World Championship. He never won yes, the World Championship. Yes, he's the greatest driver never to ne- win the World That's definitely yeah. the case. But the 55 Mille Miglia he won it with Dennis Jenkinson. They sure. raced in a thousand-mile race, and they averaged a hundred miles an hour for the whole race, and arguably the greatest ever race win. Yeah. So what car were they driving? Mercedes, Mercedes SLR. SLR, SLR, SLR. Yeah. Number seven two two. Is that to hear you say it? <laughs> yeah. Which I've seen Which in we real saw. life. We also You've saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. we have. Yeah. So I think he's a he's a gentleman. He's a philanthropist. He's mm. still active. He survived. The most dangerous areas of racing, as well as falling down a lift shaft, he's at eighty. Um, he's well he's, spoken. He's well spoken. <laughs> he dresses and he's, well. He's a real mensch. He's a mm. mensch. He really is. So, so, I, so I'm nominated for Sterling Moss. What Good a gentleman! Way. Listeners, if you have a favourite racing driver who you think should be mentioned, hook us up on our social media platform. Call Maybe Paige should do a poll. Oh, yeah, oh, very good. I like oh. the poll. I like. I like. So I said Senna. He oh, said Schumacher. Hold on, hold on. He said we haven't talked about last week's we poll. Don't, we don't have time. We'll do it. We need to talk about Not the fact now. that I won. No, no, no. You won because you had your whole family. Paige gave me mint crisps chocolate as Is a reward. Is that because you won? Yes. I'm calling it. Happening. Put that chocolate in your mouth, guys. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have some technical Q and A. Welcome back to Cogumentative. Guys, in this show, we're going to do something new because um, a lot of our listeners have been asking technical things. They want to know how certain parts of the car work. You know, Do they want to know how Mark's seven-cylinder Ferrari works? Yeah. <laughs> Not Mark, as good as it should. Mark, the winner of last week's poll. Yeah, That's right. it. Right. Thank you very much. He shall forever be known as. Yeah. No, only this week. Okay, fine. Mm. Next week, I'll win. So Obviously, so our first car park. <laughs> Getting down, we are, we're not going to talk about chocolates anymore, poles. Right. We're going to talk about clutches. Hmm. Oh, a clutch. A clutch. Nadav, a clutch is a very important thing. A clutch? Because it? It, cause it links the engine and the gearbox. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me see. I'm, I'm, I'm not the most technical here, but I'll try and well, make it. I'd say you are the most technical. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'll try to put it in terms. It's also very difficult. I'm moving my hands a lot, but it's yeah. difficult over the over the medium of sound like to explain these things. Um, so a clutch, um, so the pedal mm-hmm. that's on the left-hand side of three pedals, if you have a manual car, Correct. for argument's sake, yeah. um, is the clutch pedal. So the clutch pedal activates the clutch. Okay. So what happens is in a car, 
there's an engine and the engine produces power and that power is passed along from the engine to the gearbox and then from the gearbox that power is then passed along to the differential and from the differential to the wheels so it's got to pass all those different points and the thing is that the clutch is what connects the first two so the clutch connects the engine and the gearbox and what it also does is it disconnects them Mm. so in order to change gears in the gearbox there can't be torque going through the gearbox there can't be power or torque going through the gearbox you wouldn't be able to change the gear and you would break everything inside everything so it needs crunch. to be needs to be disconnected from the engine in order for you to change a gear and then reconnect it to the engine so that the power can be pushed through the whole system again to the wheels so the clutch is a is a mechanical part that physically separates the two parts and it does so with a friction plate and it it, there's, it creates friction between two things and it turns together etc and maybe it's not even important to understand how it works but the fact that it no because i, I think i think the, the friction parts. plate is important because that's what allows you to pull off because it it gradually adds power yeah it's the interface so yeah. so i just want to just add one yeah. i just want to add one point so when the clutch is is fully engaged so if your foot is off the the clutch the engine is driving the wheels so and it's a closed system so logically if the wheels are stopped and the clutch is out the engine will ultimately stop yeah. and that'll be what a, what is stall. called a stall, a stall. Yeah. so what the clutch allows you to do is to feed in the power and gradually in, use uh, create an interface that brings the one thing up to the same speed as the other. That's how a man, that's how that's a that's what a clutch is, and a clutch is a mechanical device, and it, it's used in many mechanical, not only in cars, in many mechanical applications. And what it does is, it usually um, disconnects two rotating masses and reconnects them together. So the clutch then. Um, can be automated so all of this can be automated and that's when we have single clutch gearboxes that we always talk about okay so it's one automated single clutch gearbox and then these days you get things called dual clutch gearboxes where they have two clutches in one gearboxes that's automated and all it does is disconnect the gearbox from the engine and reconnect it again and um, and yep. it is done automatically now. Um, important part of the car. Yeah. Very. And, and a cool way of using the clutch is you can take a car and hold it at 6,000 RPM yes. within first and then right. take your foot on the, on the clutch and then sidestep it. So yes. you just let it spring out. <laughs> yeah. Especially on a Ferrari. Yes. Yeah. It works so, best on Ferrari. Yeah, so you break and them, and just, just, to be no, just to note that you can probably only do that twice. <laughs> I'd say once on a Ferrari. On a Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> probably do it about three times on a German car and probably do it about ten times on a German car. Yeah. Actually, in all seriousness, don't do that because yeah, you will destroy your car. Next one, Tom. Next one is a diff lock. I've just mentioned the differential. Yep. So, mm, you should have discussed the diff lock. Well, I'll, I'll discuss the diff yeah. lock. Because <laughs> Mark so, has a 4x4. Four four right. Oh, with I, a I, diff lock. Yeah, d- uh, yeah. No, it doesn't actually. It doesn't no. It's got There's three. low range. There's three diff locks oh, okay, on your car. It okay. does. Uh, the way a diff, what a diff is there for, mm-hmm. is if when you go around the corner, the inner wheel, wheel and the outer wheel turn at different Speed. speeds. Yeah. So the differential allows that to happen, while giving power to both of them. Mm, which is good for tire wear. It's good for tire wear. Yeah. What a diff lock does is it locks the diff, so it stops that from happening, mm. and it's specifically good. In conditions where you are, well, that are very slippery, 
so four by four vehicles use it where by nature the car is always wanting to send power to the wheel that slips the easiest yeah the path of least resistance exactly yeah. so what you're doing by locking the diff is you're taking that option away mm. and it will send equal power to both wheels or all four if you lock all your diffs mm. so that's what it's for basically. so what's a limited slip diff and ah. how do you use it so limited slip diff will allow a certain amount of slip yeah so it locks it to some extent um yeah, so you use it on a racing car where you want power to be given to both wheels as equally as possible. Because so, like, it's yeah. not it's not going to always go to the path of least resistance. It's going to go to both equally, even when they're going at different rates. Because you don't want to have that 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 inner wheel slipping. Exactly, you don't want to lose all that traction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So good for race cars and also very good for fast street cars. Yeah. Correct. Okay. So, I mean, I think that's in a nutshell. We can get more technical, but that's yeah. enough. I think that's a good way. So, l- um, limited slip differential can work both under acceleration and deceleration. I think that's important. So, in other words, it limits the torque or moves the torque around from left to right between the two Correct, wheels. Correct, yeah. Both under braking and under acceleration. Which yeah, because engine braking would then only lock up one wheel. Exactly. And now it locks up both. Um, so, sta- stability. And as, as things have progressed, though, that used to be mechanical based on various amounts of friction going through the differential is how much it used to lock. And these days, that's now electronically controlled. And probably through the brakes i think through the brake system yeah. well that's not a differential lock there would be a it's a sneaky an, way of a sneaky way of mimicking, of mimicking it, uh, it mimics it yeah but a real differential lock now has electronic input from all the other car uh. systems so that it can it can predict what's going to happen to the car based on the steering angle acceleration etc and decide prior to the time which wheels to lock and how much torque to which is which is clever lock. because mechanical limited slip diffs wear out because yes. they have clutch plates inside them mm-hmm. And they do wear out. And when they start to wear out, they can catch you out, specifically on a track under deceleration. Okay, Tom, next. That's all we've got time for. Right? Oh. Yeah, we do. It's a good okay. segment. It is a good segment. And we've got a lot more. It's challenging. Great. So we're going to have some. We're going to have some down the line. So like a technical segment every yeah. two weeks or okay. every week? Send us your, your requests, guys. We want to know what you want to know about. Yeah, and we'll try and explain. Badly. Badly. Good where one. can you find we us? Right, yeah. we, um, we are on social media. We are on um, Instagram. That's where we're most active. Cargumentative. At Cargumentative. At Cargumentative. Is that how you do it on Instagram? Yeah, that is. With an at. At Cargumentative. Yeah, you can find or me hash, at. Or hashtag Cargumentative. No, but at no. is our actual address. Yes, but you can look up all our photos that yeah. are tagged hashtag Cargumentative. And you There's can find me there. at Palutsky. I'm at MH Salomon. Clear, we're not good at the social media. Well, yeah, we need to get better. Paige, you need to coach us. I think I'm NBR underscore nine eleven on Instagram. Oh, that's very complicated. I don't check much. You Tom, know. what are you? I'm at Thomas Faulkner triple one. Well, there you go. So Why triple one? Go it's my race number. Oh. Go and have a look at some serious sexy pics of um, cats, material, <laughs> cats, and cats, cats, mountain bikes, mountain bikes, and 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 Nick. And, and Nick, <laughs> we, we don't know how Nick fits in. Yeah. We don't ask any questions. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Guys, thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks to Rana for joining us. Yeah, exactly. Yes, thank you, Rana. Fantastic. We learned a lot. Yes, guys, thanks for joining us again on Cogumentative. We'll be back next week, same time, same place. And uh, until then, keep it safe out on the roads. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye.